Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome back to the latest episode of Shades of Blue Soccer Show. This is Thad. Uh, ben, are you on? Yes, I am. Happy to be on once again. Mike, we got you live here too. I'm here. All right. Um, I think the first thing we have up is sporting in Toronto game. Want to give us a little rundown of what happened there, Ben? Yeah, definitely. So, Sporting Kansas City comes into this match, um, a pretty big match in the Eastern Conference standings. Sporting had the points advantage, but Toronto's sitting right there in third place. Sporting comes in, scores two goals in the first half off of penalty kicks, gives up one uh, late goal in the first half to Toronto FC, a nice little goal by Gilberto. And then second half, Sporting Kansas City came out and um, was able to put put on a nice finishing display. Stuny Thon and CJ Sapong fit in two more goals. Um, Sporting Kansas City ended up winning 4-1 to one in that match. Uh, of, some storylines of note were John Kempen making his first MLS start, making a couple of big saves that would uh, make Jimmy Nielsen proud, especially that uh, foot save he made on the breakaway. Um, and another one is that they, with this result, 
They climbed to the top of the Sports Shield standing, now tied with Real Salt Lake at 42 points each. So, how was this? Uh, I mean, this was such a much better performance than the previous game. But what do you think came out different there, Mike? Really, I I just think Kansas City came out. I mean, more physical than they did, um, not just against Vancouver, but against against Toronto as well. The the last time these two teams played um, up in Toronto, they they just seem to be uh, more willing to to physically get involved. And I know I know that's 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 a little off because that's kind of the way KC plays, but. I think against against both Vancouver and and, and in Toronto, they, they just didn't look to be as physical, or, or teams worked around their mm-hmm. their physicality basically. Um, but um, the the best example of that would would be to basically just look at the tape of the game against Toronto in Toronto um, versus versus this game com- and compare uh, Dominic Oduro's performance. Kansas City was just much more physical with him, not letting him get the ball, not letting him get the space that he got for the most part um, uh, against against us in in Toronto. And I mean, I think the only time he got space all night was, was the was the one goal that they scored uh, right before halftime. Was was that a, a team effort to shut down Oduro, or was that the the fact that Sanovic played a better game? Because I know that was one of the concerns going into this match was how Sanovic was playing, coming because he got burned so badly by him in Toronto, and then coming off of the injury and such forth. You, you think it was the Sanovic or the team, or a little bit of that? Really? I, I think Sanovic certainly played a part in that, but I, I think that was also also a general team effort. To uh, to shut down Oduro, I think I think you saw more uh, more with Suni getting involved a little bit defensively to help shut down uh, uh, on that side as well. So I, I I think he certainly played played a role in it, but I think um, I, I think it was more of a team effort. Seeing Suni get more involved in the defense, uh, being more effective at it, especially against somebody like Oduro, is really a, a a good thing to see because that's always been one of the more questionable things about his game. It was never the offense. It was never the fact he could shoot or pass. It was that he could play the rest of the game that Bernese wanted. Ben mentioned uh, Kimpin having his first uh, MLS start. And to me, he played pretty well. Um, I'd say the second half better than the first half. Uh, First half, it wasn't bad, but he gave up that goal right at the end. Which I think a lot of keepers would have, to be honest. But uh, he just seemed to, he seemed even more confident coming out in the second half, and he made the that big stop on the breakaway, and then just smothered the uh, the K shot, which was you know the she was the better part of that shot. But um, how do you guys think he performed? I mean, I think he did okay. I I, I liked what I saw with the, with his shot stopping and and his his organization of, of the back line. Uh, I think the area that he still uh, needs to improve in is, is his, uh, is his handling of crosses into the box. I, I think he, he, he struggled a bit with that and was always looking to punch, I think, instead of really uh, try to claim one himself. 
And, and I think that's something that'll come with time, come with uh, some more time in the weight room as he kind of fills in completely into into his body, basically. Because I mean, he still is only 21, so I mean that that certainly is a factor when it comes to him just wanting to wanting to come and punch punch the ball away instead of. Uh, instead of barreling through a a, a defender like uh, like Schuler, for example, for Salt Lake, just to, uh, as one example, or or even uh, Gilberto uh, for Toronto, just I think given time to uh, bulk up a little bit more, he'll he'll improve in that regard. Uh, but that's the one thing that I felt he he struggled with was his his command of the box in the air. How about you, Ben? What did you see from Kevin? Well, one of the things that I really noticed um, was how comfortable he was on the ball. Like when he uh, got back pass, back pass from Colin or Beesler, uh, some a lot of goalies will usually just boot it upfield, but now he'll look and figure out the pass. He seemed like he was comfortable making a short pass up to Colin or to Sinovic or whoever was on, um, whoever was playing wing back. He that made me very happy for his future if he's able to be comfortable handling the ball with his speed in case he needs to make a crucial pass. Um, you said, Mike, that he, he looked like he really wanted to punch the ball away when he should have gathered it. Um, and I definitely agree. I definitely saw that. But and from what I saw making this first MLS third. It looks very promising. Definitely some things to work on, but a very promising game. Now, Dom got those uh, two goals off the penalties. Um, both were well-placed, both in different spots. Um, the, the one that goes up right off underneath the crossbar sometimes worries me a little bit, but it was just about perfectly placed. And now he's moved up to is it 16 goals? Yep, yeah, 16 so he's only a couple away from catching up to Precky. Think he's going to make that this year, guys? Ben? I I would be extremely surprised if he doesn't. Um, one, there's been we we it's kind of tapered off a bit lately, and this is completely based on the anecdotal evidence that I've seen um, that PKs have tapered off since the beginning of the season when they were calling him a lot. I'll have to look at the test if they back me up. Um, but as long as Sporting KC gets two more PKs, there's two more goals right there for Dom Dwyer, as long as he doesn't mess them up because he's perfect on PKs so far this season. He seems to be very comfortable taking them. Um, looking back, trying to think about his last run of play goal, it seems that teams have found a way to close them, close them a little bit and kind of take away, to kind of shut down uh, Dwyer. Now, he's got a lot more chances. Or rather, he's some chances, but it, it seems that he's not getting as much space as he was at the beginning of the season. He's been finding as much space as he was. So I think teams are starting to adjust to him a bit. But with uh, the 11 games that Sporting has left in the season, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get um, at least three more goals. How about you, Mike? Yeah, he yeah, it? I. I... I agree with Ben. I mean, I'd be surprised at this point with uh, if he doesn't if he doesn't pass Precky at this point. I mean, he, there are so many games left uh, overall. There are a number of games left against uh, what I would 
greatly consider inferior competition. I mean, we, we still ha- have a trip out to, to Chivas. Um, Houston, who's struggled greatly defensively this year, still has to come to Sporting Park. And I know while Houston always tends to play us hard, they're, they're not the best defensive team in the league this year. So, I mean, there's a, a, a number of, of opportunities against teams that don't have a great defense for, for Dwyer to, to rack up at three three or more goals, basically. Because it's, uh, it's 18 for Precky for uh, for league play, but what's do you know what the total The all-competitions is 22, still by Precky in 96. What's okay. Dom at at this point, do you know? In all competitions, all competitions, he still has 16. He hasn't scored a goal outside MLS play this year. I couldn't remember if he got any in any the Open Cup or anything like that, but we'll see about uh, coming up here soon. Any any other interesting subjects out of this uh, this uh, sporting domination over Toronto, at least on the sport wise? Uh, got a fun stat for you. I posted it on the on the blog and on uh, Twitter yesterday while I was going through the stats, but. Uh, Sapong's goal was the 100th league goal Kansas City scored at Sporting Park. Um, and humorously enough, he also scored the first league goal for Sporting KC at Sporting Park. So, uh, so Sapong has, has a couple records, uh, now, a couple big goals in, in Sporting Park's history, I guess you could say. Milestone goals, for sure. There you go. And it's kind of interesting. I mean, not that he has been unproductive in any way, shape, or form, but he hasn't been always the the big scorer that you would attribute all the milestone type of stuff to. But he's doing it at the right time. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ben? Anything else? Um, not much. Um, I mean, that actually kind of reminded me of this song and how good he's been um, coming off at, coming on as uh, the super sub this year. He's looked really good in bringing on fresh legs and being a good attacking player to kind of to take advantage of one down defense. I really, really like CJ Spong in this super sub role. Yeah, it, it might be his uh, best spot at this point because of how good everybody else is doing starting, but also because he can come in and use that strength and speed against guys who have a little bit tired, have been playing for a while and stuff like that. And, he can maybe take a little more advantage of some of those guys. Um, I was actually glad to see him get that goal by by his foot, even though it was a sliding in goal, because I think a lot of people try to peg him as uh, get in the box, jump up, and do headers, which he can do more. Yeah. All right. Uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, that there's going to be more chances for Dom to score non-league goals uh, coming up tomorrow night or probably tonight by the time people listen to this. But Tuesday night, uh, Sporting has a non-league match. Can you give us a breakdown on that, Mike? Yeah. Um, Sporting uh, left this morning to uh, head to Nicaragua to uh, take on the uh, Nicaraguan champs, I think like seven or eight times over, uh, Real Esteli. Um, similar similar names, same matchup as last year. We uh, open play uh, down there against them. Um, 
they actually picked up a a point in the, in their uh, first group game when uh, Saprissa came came to uh, Nicaragua. Uh, Esteli grabbed a one nil lead early and almost held on. It took a goal about halfway through the second half by Saprissa for them to uh, to get a point out of the game. So. Um, Watching that game, Esteli looks like a better side than they did uh, last year when we played them. So the, Esteli, I think, is go, uh, going to be an improved team for us to go up against this year. Um, their league game this past weekend was actually uh, postponed. Um, I haven't really been able to find anything, whether that was done in preparation for this weekend or for this game or not, but uh, – they they were supposed to play the team that they were tied with at the top of the league, who also is uh, undefeated at this point. So I'm not again I'm not sure if that was that that was done on purpose or for another reason. But uh, Estelle is going to be going to be a different team than the one we beat two nil down there to start uh, last year's competition. With, with Estelle looking at least a little bit better than they did last year. Do you guys, how strong of a lineup do you guys think we put out there? I, well, from what Peter Vermees alluded to in the press conference on Saturday, um, it's going to be a lineup that we've. It's not going to be a full strength lineup. It's going to be a familiar lineup, just because that's what Sporting Kansas City has had to do this season um, because of injuries and all that. Um, so we already know that Kempton's going to be in goal, um, and, and I believe Malia is traveling down. Um, he's going to be the backup. Um, other than that, I'm not sh- lo- looking at the defense. I bet um, I bet Lawrence Golem's playing center back in either uh, Colin or Beadler's position. Um, I, I, I am sure that Ellis is going to play one of the defensive positions. Other than that, they're really lacking on defensive depth, so a couple of starters are going to have, a couple of normal starters are going to have to start, from what I'm seeing. I bet we see, if Owens can play center back, I bet we see Jorge Claros in the mid, um, either him or Mikey Lopez, probably both. Um, that, that could be a nice uh, midfield. Up front, they have more depth. I bet we see Jacob Peterson play. Um, we might even see Claudio Vieira appearance on um, the stage wire for uh, DC United on Saturday. Um, do you guys think we'll see similar lineups to that? Well, what I saw Saturday was that Bieler can't travel. He had uh, he he has a passport issue. Mm, and Bieler right, yeah. So so is not even going to be uh, not not even going to be in Nicaragua, which which limits our center forward options really to. Uh, to Dwyer or, or Sapong at this point um, for that. So that does take a hit, especially since I'd like to kind of conserve Dwyer's minutes a little bit, cause, mainly because he's played almost every minute since he really completely took over the center forward position. Um, other than that, I, I think this is a this is one of the matches that I think is really key to, with a guy like Claros, who is who, who up until recently had been playing in Central America. So he, he's he'll be used used more used to the style of play, the uh, 
the the atmosphere, those sorts of things. So I think this is a game that's really tailor made for him. I do agree that Lopez will will uh, would probably get the start with him in the midfield. Defensively, um, I, I think that actually I think Peterson's going to be go, going to be back on the defensive line again, just due to our lack of. Mm-hmm. Uh, of defensive depth. I think he probably slots into one of the wing back positions. Um and I actually think it'll be Ellis that'll play uh in the cent- center of defense with uh with uh either Colin or Beesler. So, so do you so don't see... think uh, Palmer Brown will get a start. I, I I'm not sure if you want to throw Paul I, I know Palmer Brown's shown shown flashes, but I'm not sure you want to give him a start um, on the road in Central America at this point, um, I, I'd be willing to more willing to entertain the idea if this was a home game against Stelly, and I, I'd definitely be more willing to entertain it when that game actually comes up. I, I just, I'm not sure I feel comfortable starting uh, starting a teenager in in, uh, in Central America right now. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think we all agree that it's going to be a mix of uh, first team and second team, although I think we'd actually be hard-pressed to figure out exactly what the first team is anymore with how many people are hurt and, and people are filled in. Um, it, I do. It should be that, that mix. Uh, yeah, I was thinking it would be Ellis back there, maybe maybe Palmer Brown. I think he would, this would be a great game for him to travel and get some experience. Um so I like the idea of Ashley Peterson on the left back. Um, do you think Julial is uh, suited for that Central American game? I, I'm really not sure. Julial is uh, – I've not been happy with his defensive performances lately um, at, at all. So I, I'm kind of not one that I would want to speak on that cause, just because of – how his play has been lately. I'm not as down on him as some people, but I I would like to see someone else get an opportunity at right back for for a game or two. The only real option for that is Ellis, though, or Peterson at this point. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, like I said, I think we all agree that it's going to be kind of a mix of a strong – it's going to be a strong lineup – not necessarily a full first team lineup, missing Bieler. Um, yeah, it'll, it will be very interesting to see who he puts out there for this for this match. And I know most. It looks like most of the from the pictures I've seen, it looks like most of the first teamers have traveled. Then um, I don't know about maybe Zussi or Beasler, but well, and and, and the other thing, the the other thing with this is this game really falls at the wrong time for sporting really i mean we it's sandwiched right between matchups against the second and third place team in the uh in the league or in the conference so it doesn't it's not like we're coming home on saturday to play to play chivas or to play montreal we're coming home for a top of the table clash against against uh against D.C., so it's not like we can throw out the first team and just be like, okay, we'll throw out some, some reserves against against Montreal, against Chivas, and we'll still pick up the three points in league play. That We, we don't have that luxury. Now, on, on the other hand, uh, D.C. also has to play this week, so 
they they too have a midweek game, which which will uh, suit Kansas City at least a little bit more. Where are they playing at? You know, they're they're at home the, uh, against uh, Waterton, Jamaican side. Okay, so they're not having to travel no. until they come here. Yeah. Okay. But that's the perks right. of CCL play. We can we we can take a private jet. Very true. Although it seems like there were some delays with that today too, but not as bad as some of the uh, <laughs> normal flights. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? Do you think they uh, win this match? Um. Yeah. Um. I just going and look. look yeah. I mean, Estelle got the one on his own with the priest, uh, um, and it looks like that they came out. Um, it looks like that they came out hard and fast and got that early goal and kind of bunkered back until Spitz got that other goal. Um, for this match, just because of the way of the personnel that Sporting Kinski has to play, just because they either have depth injured or they have starters injured. They're gonna have a stronger lineup by default. I think. I, I think it won't be as it won't be the two zero win that they got last year, but I can definitely see them pointing out um, a one zero victory or a two one victory. Um, I, I don't think that. I think that Aselli coming in and getting that point from Saprisa, they're gonna to want to get as many points as possible because now they're thinking, okay, we have a chance. We have a chance to be this amazing Cinderella story, we need to try and take care of business at home. They're going to, I, I doubt that they bunker as much as they did last year, um, and they're going to be rested coming into this game um, because their match is going to be I think it, it's going to be a better squad than we saw last year, but I think I, I still see Sporting pulling out a, a, a win here. How about you, Mike? I mean, they, this is a game that, after the Saprisa one, become, after Saprisa's draw, becomes absolutely uh, huge for us. We get we get a point, we get three points here, um, and, and we take care of business at home. We're, we're through, no matter what happens in uh, in uh, Costa Rica at the at the end of the uh, at the end of the group phase. So, g- getting three points here is absolutely vital for us. Um, th- thanks to that early result. Um, and honestly, we, we should be able to get it done. I mean, Estelle's never won in the, cha- in the Champions League. Um, I don't think they've ever won in an international competition, period. So, I mean, th- this is a game that while, while they're improved, while they're better than they were last year when we played them, this is still a, a game that, that sporting should win. There, there's nothing that I've seen that says sporting should not Take care of business uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night, and and get the three points. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I think we should get that win. Um, I kind of like a two-one scoreline, just because I have no faith that we're not going to give something up somewhere, and that's not on Kempen or anybody else. It's just like we've pretty much given up a goal a game for the last several games. Um, so as I just kind of see that trend continuing at the moment. All right. Let's see. What else is on our agenda for tonight? That's right. Um, 
Sporting's next home next home game is the 23rd, but that's going to be sort of a professional soccer doubleheader that day because we finally know who FC Kansas City is going to face in the first round of the NWSL playoffs. They will be facing Portland. Um, Portland had dropped out of the top four, but managed to pull their way back in. The uh, Thorns are very strong team, having four of the top five players in the world last year in the women's game. So they surprisingly weren't doing as well as they probably should have been, except they've had Alex Morgan out for most of the year, or for half the year, rather. So it, they've made that comeback now and are, will be coming to Kansas City and playing uh, Saturday afternoon. So for people who want to do a doubleheader, and see FC Kansas City, and then sporting later in the day, it's perfectly timed for that. Um, one problem for both teams is that they have not all their players available at the moment, and I know that's been one of Ben's pet peeves you've mentioned before. <laughs> yeah, uh, Wednesday evening, um, the United States women's national team is going to be playing Switzerland in a friendly so um, Amy Rodriguez, Lauren Holiday, and Becky Sauerbrunn are gone from FC Kansas City um, from Portland. I know Alex Morgan is, um, I, and Sydney LaRue. How long? Nope. No, she's on Seattle. Never mind. Um, uh, but I guess that's actually, yeah, Allie Long. Um, yeah, LaRue's Seattle. Um, anyway, um, so that game takes place Wednesday, four days before the playoff game. So, both teams are going to have some uh, players that are going to be tired from this game. And Switzerland is not an easy team to play. Uh, they've been running away with their qualification division in the UEFA World Cup qualification for 2015. Uh, they've got eight wins and one draw going up against teams like Iceland, Denmark, and Serbia, and all that. And not the stiffest competition, but they've definitely shown their quality. So this will be a this will be a game where um, Jill Ellis isn't going to be able to put on a lot of if if they're going for a win in this friendly Jill Ellis isn't going to be able to put on um, many of their uh, many of their reserves and hope for a win. She's going to have to put out a a pretty strong lineup to go up against. Now I think she looks the better side, but. Uh, in this game. So I, I, I'll be interested to see how much Lauren Holiday and Sarbrin and Rodriguez play. I think Holiday and Sarbrin will play most of the game. Rodriguez uh, probably has less of a chance since they have Alex Morgan up there for the start night. And uh, just from a fan perspective, I hope she plays Alex Morgan all game and so that it uh, takes the seven-over stamina out for Saturday. But uh, as the Blues have also been able to shut down Alex Morgan this season. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how both teams adjust from that midweek game in which some of their stars are playing in. The, the, um, in, in this match, they, uh, because it's right close to this, it, it's in close to the playoffs, I know Jill Ellis was only calling in a fairly short lineup, uh, 12 total of 19 players. So a typical camp for U.S. is more like 25. So she's kind of going with a little bit of a short roster there. In fact, they had actually just uh, 
traded out one of the keepers. They'd called up uh, Ashlyn Harris from Washington, and instead they're going to call up Alyssa Nera from Boston. And they'll, both of those would have probably sat on the bench anyway because Hope Solo will almost definitely start no matter what. <laughs> no, it, it's, it is odd timing because this isn't an international window, I don't think, is it? No. Um, not, not, not that I know of. I can, oh, I can double check on that, but I don't believe it's an international window. So yeah, this is a very, very odd uh, time slot for a friendly. Maybe it's the only time that they do it. Cause I know Ellis wants to uh, get, get some quality to go up against some quality competition before the uh, Concacaf qualifiers for the World Cup, but it's. It's really not beneficial to NWSL, and I went through all that last week. So, to plug on this last week's episode for my huge rant on it. So, I mean, Mike, can you see any reason why they would schedule a friendly at this point for right in I the mean, middle of NWSL playoffs? I mean, di- didn't they do something similar last year with a friendly, uh, similar time frame, uh, where right before the playoffs? I I understand that that Ellis wants to get the the, the women together uh, ahead of uh, ahead of um, October's uh, World Cup qualifying uh, throughout the U.S. But I, I don't the, the timing of this one is, is just a really really poor move. I mean, the U.S. still have the the women still have at least two more games before. Um, before the start of qualifying, they have two in September, uh, both of them against Mexico. So I mean, it's not like the U. The, it's not like the U.S. isn't playing uh, together again between uh, between now and and the start of uh, World Cup qualifying in Kansas City. But it, it's just it, it's poor timing. It's it, it's the the people that were called up. I understand wanting to get the your best players together, but. I look at it from the same aspect as I look at the uh, at the potential Ireland friendly for the U.S. men's national team coming up in uh, I believe that one's in November, and how uh, how in the past uh, the Bosnia friendly last year where Klinsman didn't take anybody that was in the playoffs for the uh, for the U.S. men's national team. Now, granted, the the men. Have a have a wider variety of of uh, playing conditions to pull from with uh, the players over in Europe and the and a larger pool in in MLS. But I, I would have liked to have seen Ellis gone more that route and leave the leave the four playoff teams alone for uh, for this friendly. Mm-hmm. I think it would just move this game back a week and a half. Uh, made it the following weekend. You could have you could have then on Sunday called up the teams that were knocked out. You know what I mean? And you would have only you would only skipped two teams worth of players. So you know six probably max of six or seven players at that point. Um, and you would have been able to field a pretty strong lineup and maybe get a little glimpse at some guy at some players who don't have a um, who aren't normally going to start. And it would have, you know it's a friendly. What does it matter? Of course, that's probably the attitude that got Sermani fired. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to Sermani, though, last year when, and like you mentioned, like they had some similar issues like this where they were playing friendlies. And I specifically asked him. Uh, he was here for a game 
and I specifically asked him about why they would have friendlies in the season where it's so difficult, you know, it's it's throwing off training and stuff if you're wanting this league to survive. And he said that uh, these were just these were friendlies that were scheduled for a long, long time. Even if you did not know the, about them, they were scheduled out for so many so far in advance they could not change it. Well, we know that this game has not been scheduled for you a year and a half before the league even existed. So it would be that would be a bogus excuse if they try to use it for this one. I just I think they just don't care about the league that they're trying to form, you know. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Um, I know there was a little other bit of news today. Uh, futsal. Did you catch up on that one, Mike? Yeah, I did. Um, it. it uh, the U.S. futsal team announced um, roster for for a uh, couple of friendlies or uh, training trip to uh, to Argentina. Actually, uh, I'm sorry, they actually announced uh, the roster last week, but uh, it, it wasn't until today that it was uh, recognized by the uh, by the Missouri Comets, which is what brought it to uh, to my attention because there are five Missouri Comets players on the roster, and actually. Two players from the uh, Sporting KC Academy are also on the roster. Um, Waltman, uh, Harris, uh, Sosa, Gibson, uh, and Perez are the are, are the five uh, Comets representatives. And then uh, Nick uh, James, I don't know if that's right or not, and John uh, Leesman from uh, Sporting's Academy were both uh, called up as well. And, That's I mean, kind of uh, uh, amazing. Sorry, it, it is. It is, especially since uh, Leesman's only 16. They must be seeing good things out of him in the futsal realm. Uh, hopefully that translates to the field. That's, uh, seven of the 14 players are coming out of Kansas City, which I mean, two of them actually from Kansas City. But. All right. Um, and, oh, go ahead, man. Oh, no, I didn't think that. All right. Um, I guess that's it for the news that I know about. Uh, just throw it open for roundtable if there's anything that we forgot to cover. Uh, ben? Oh, just looking ahead to Saturday and how big this match against DC United is. Um, the only match that Sporting has had with them so far was that um, 1-0 loss in DC. Um, Sporting's up by two points right now in the Eastern Conference, but DC does have a game in hand. So if they can get a win and put themselves five points ahead and keep that advantage even with the game in hand, that's going to be very, very big for the Eastern Conference standing. Um, and I keep having to remind myself of this because it's new this year. Well, technically it was new last year, but uh, it's the first time we've known it all season that it's happening this year. Um, winners of the non-supporter shield conference, or rather, whoever wins the supporter shield um, gets into CONCAP Con- Champions League, the top finisher in the other conference also gets in. So if we lose to Seattle or Real Salt Lake or or the Galaxy for the Sport of Shield, 
we can still take the Eastern Conference, get into the 2015-2016 Champions League. Because right now, um, if it, the club's priorities have to be continually getting into that Champions League and trying to be um, a, a big factor on the international stage. They got into it this uh, this past season, 2013, uh, the 2012-2013 season, and made it to the quarterfinals and were one half away from making it to the semifinals. Now that other half was a complete disaster, but um, I digress. Um, now they've got that year under their belt. Uh, they've got that year under their belt. They now looking forward to getting out of the group stage this year and getting next year. Um, so now it's all about continuing that process of getting back into the Champions League and and circling all the way back now to my original point, beating DC United, which looks like the biggest foe to that Eastern Conference, is going to be, um, and it should be rather, one of their biggest priorities this season. Now they can still chase the Sporter Shield, but having that top spot in the Eastern Conference in the back of their pocket, if they fail to win the Sporter Shield, it's going to be nice for their Champions League um, qualification. Good point. Uh, Mike, you anything to throw out there for the round table? No, I, I, I mean, I'll agree with that with with Ben about this Friday and the importance of it. Really, it's, I mean, it it's a it's a huge game, uh, but I mean, you all if you also look at uh, at DC's schedule, that does kind of give KC a bit a bit of the upper hand. I mean. Uh, KC's la- KC has one more trip out, out west this year, and it's, it's to play Chivas. Meanwhile, LA or DC gets the LA in, in Vancouver still. They also have to play uh, New York a couple times, who are going to be uh, who, who right now look like they're going to be fighting for their playoff lives, and that, that's always a, a, an intense matchup. So, I mean, it, the, the DC looks to be our big challenge, but. At this point, I'd say they have the tougher tougher schedule of the two of us. Um, so, uh, it, it really it is something that the East at this point should be Kansas City's to lose. Um, the, we have we we're the more experienced team when it comes to uh, comes to being in this situation. Um, the team's proven that they have fantastic depth for uh, especially for MLS and. Really, it, 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 where Kansas City's at, it would be a disappointment at this point if they at least don't win the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. We agree with that. Um, and also going on with this D.C. United game coming up, uh, Eddie Johnson is going to be missing that one, correct? Correct. Because he got suspended for two games for uh, kicking a ball at somebody. I forget who it was. But uh, I still think fatal. he did that on purpose. I think he so did that on purpose to be suspended. Mm-hmm. So it'll be just like the regular in the rest of the season. <laughs> uh, on the opposite side, though, they do have a Spindola back, and Spindola mm-hmm. has been ha- has been their uh, their big offensive weapon uh, this year, causing uh, causing all sorts of trouble. So, I mean, he's going to be he he's going to be one that Kansas City is going to have to watch out for uh, come uh, come this weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all that I have for the night, guys. Any uh, last words? Mike? 
I I got nothing at this point. All right, Ben. Uh, no, I've got nothing. All right. Well, this was sad, and I appreciate everybody uh, appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. And uh, make sure you subscribe in iTunes and follow everybody's blogs, uh, bluetestament.com for Ben and I, and downthebyline.com for Mike. Uh, Mikeopedia, as he's been known. <laughs> so if you need any stats, that's why I always go to Mike when I have the stat question. Uh, anyway, make sure you follow the podcast and check out everybody's writings and photos and see you guys later. Or talk to you later. Bye. We're gonna celebrate tonight. We're the final whistle blows. We're gonna celebrate.